Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 11 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. And this time, we get to talk about a victory. I'm Joe Giglio. With me, as always, Elliot Shore Parks, Mark Eckel. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. They were at the link on Sunday afternoon. We're recording this podcast on a Monday, a 39-17 victory over the New Orleans Saints. The Eagles are now 2-3. and three, And we can actually have a, a positive conversation about the team uh, for the first time, feels like in a while. Elliot, we'll start with you. Uh, your initial thoughts watching that thing. I mean, at halftime, it felt like they were dominating the game. Only ten points. Second half, obviously, they run away from New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, I I didn't pick them to win. I thought that they would lose to Saints simply because it was a big game. The Eagles haven't shown they've over this over the course of this uh, beginning of this season and then the last season that they're able to really win big games. So. You know, was it an overall dominating performance? And in some ways it was. I mean, 39 points over 500 yards of offense. Certainly, as you mentioned, though, in the first half, they weren't great. So there's still some concerns. But overall, I just think it was one of those games where they had to win it. They won it by, you know, 22 points. And overall, they played well. So I think it was a game you definitely walk away from feeling positive if you're an Eagles fan, um, even if there were, uh, you know, some, you know, Bradford had some inaccuracies, that type of thing. But overall, I think you still feel pretty good about it. Mark, your thoughts as it was unfolding. I mean, they moved the ball up and down the field basically all day, but like Elliot was alluding to there, there was some mistakes, some interceptions in the first half that kept them from really blowing it open, and then after halftime, uh, they really laid it on. Well, my immediate thought is that Sam Bradford could go 30 for 30 for 600 yards and 12 touchdowns, and Elliot would still find something to <laughs> but, uh, He wasn't good in the first half. He was. He made a couple of crucial mistakes, but... What I took away from that game in a, in a pro Sam Bradford uh, thought is that a lot of quarterbacks throw two end zone interceptions that, that and your team is is dominating but not winning by much. The quarterback could go into a funk, could could just you know spiral downward and and play even worse the second half. No, Sam Bradford, and again he's. I, I joked with Elliot after the game that maybe the, maybe the Eagles should start Sanchez and just bring Bradford in the second half. His second halves have been pretty darn good. We I mean, look from the Atlanta game, the Redskin game, and now this game. He's a second half quarterback. I mean, he's he's more of a closer than a starter, I guess. I don't know, but um, no, but he bounced back yesterday and played a very good second half. Um, I thought it was by far their be- their best all around performance. Now the Saints, you know, obviously aren't very good, but that's what you're supposed to do when you play a not very good team. Blow them out, beat them, you know, smack them around. And that's what they did. They offense, 
519 yards, could have easily, not well, I shouldn't say easily, but could have scored 50 points in that game. Um, the, the defense, they gave up some, some yards, but I never care about that. They, they forced turnovers. They, they, they pressured uh, Drew Brees almost all day. Um, special teams, good job. Uh, the Saints were, were afraid to let Darren Sproles beat them. So their, their punter just punted the ball out of bounds all, all day and gave the Eagles pretty good field position. Caleb Sturgis missed an extra point, not good, but made four field goals. Not bad. No, not bad at all. I, I agree with you, Mark. Overall, it was I think it was their best effort of the season. They get the win. Their best effort since they since when? Since they beat Tennessee at home last year, probably. Probably it was the first home win since last November. It's been a yeah. long time, and uh, they had a lot of good things working for them as they pulled away in that game. Let's start with Bradford. Let's start with the quarterback and the offense, and then we'll get to the great performance uh, by the defense of Fletcher Cox. So, you know, Mark, you were just mentioning Bradford first half, second half. The numbers really are. I mean, they are completely different quarterbacks. First half, he's 56%. This is for the entire season. 56%, three touchdowns, three picks, 64.8 on the rating, which is, you know, a below-average quarterback. Second half, 67%, six touchdowns, three picks, 104.7 on the rating. I mean, he's two different quarterbacks in these two halves. Like I said, I would – it sounds crazy, but maybe – I mean, they would never do that, but I don't get it. Although I, I like – I mean – Obviously, we'd all like him to be the way he is in the second half the entire game, and then he's Aaron Rodgers, or that he, you know, or he's Tom Brady, somebody that puts up 104 a whole game. But I'd rather have I, if you, if you have to pick one, I'd rather have a guy that's better in the second half. I guess, right? I mean, although you know, you you wouldn't mind them, you wouldn't mind seeing Eagles jump out to a good start at least once this year, right? I mean, the only the only issue with that is, and I thought Bradford overall did play well. I gave him a B in the report card. But the only issue is if he keeps playing bad in these first halves, they're sooner or later going to run. And this is what happened last year. I mean, uh, with, you know, they couldn't beat good teams. Um, if he keeps playing poor in the first half, they're going to dig themselves into a hole. Right. What else did they do against the Redskins and the Falcons? They, you yeah. know, they just play okay in those first halves. They, they win both games. Just okay. Yeah. Not even good. Just okay. Right. No, I, yeah, but my point is they, they lost both of them. Right. That's a, yeah, he's done it already. It's, it's not like it's going to happen. It's happened. He's, yeah, yeah. So, but, and again, I agree with the point you made that it's good to see him rebound from the yeah. – uh, Show me something there. Um, it's good to see him rebound from the two interceptions because they were both – you know, he said after the game, he said – when he was at the podium, he said, you know, it would be easy for the team to get down and say, oh, Sam's throwing interceptions again. But, you know, they did rebound and, they, I mean, they got the win. And ultimately, I think, like I said uh, to open – this is one of those games where you can clearly, you know, nitpick on certain things. But overall, they needed the win in a huge spot, and they turned their best performance in a game. And just emotionally for the team, I think that was that was big to see. It was. They needed it, and they got the job done. And Bradford was up and down, but obviously at the end, the statistics were there, the numbers were there, the points were there. I thought the offensive line, which has been so maligned here, played, you know, by far their best game of the season, playing hurt on the tackles. They, they got out there. They did the job. And it opened everything up. I mean, they haven't had a game this year where they really ran it and passed it well. Uh, Mark, they did that yesterday. They did it on Sunday against the Saints where they racked up almost 200 yards rushing. And as we're saying here with Bradford, a big second half. So they were able to do everything. And I feel like that opens up what this offense is supposed to be. Oh, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. After Jason Peters um, told me, told no, me and a few other guys after the game that you know, I asked him that. I said, "Is this what is this what it's supposed to look like?" He said, "Yeah, this, it doesn't always look like this, but yeah, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what we're supposed to do." Um, 
You know, and the offensive line was the key to the game. I mean, like you said, they you know they we they haven't played well for most of the year. All week we worried about is Peters going to make it through the game? Is Lane Johnson going to make it through the game? Even Alan Barber had a had a minor injury. Um, you know, how is this going to look? You know, Tobin starting again? Are they going to have to move guys around? Um, they not only did they make it through the game health wise, they played very very well. Um, you know, you could again you could say the Saints defense isn't the best defense they faced this year, but. That Redskin defense wasn't very good either. So I mean, <laughs> they've been facing great defenses every week, and now they. I mean, the Saints have some pretty good players. Like Cam Jordan's a pretty good player. He's been to Pro Bowls. He's been, you know, he he has 28 sacks the last three, you know, three years coming into this one. And you know, they they kind of neutralized him pretty much. Um, you know, Jason Peters did say something else that I, that I found kind of interesting um, about his about him and and his health. Um, he didn't practice last week until Thursday. He took off Tuesday and Wednesday, and he practiced. He said he went Thursday. Friday's was kind of a glorified walkthrough, and Saturday's a little bit more of a, you know, a little bit practice. So he said the other weeks he was still he practiced all week, even though he wasn't. He he said he, he basically said he needed that rest. He his body needed some time off. If I'm Jason Peters and I'm Chip Kelly, I don't think I I say you know what, let's do this every week. No, I mean Jason Peters doesn't. He's the guy's been in the league a long time. He's been to a bunch of Pro Bowls. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. If he needs Tuesday and Wednesday off to play the way he played yesterday, give him Tuesday and Wednesday off, right? Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, per everybody's favorite website, Pro Football Focus, they uh they only gave up three hurries throughout the whole game. And you know, when you're on the field for 87 snaps, it's it's pretty amazing. And you know, Mark touched on it throughout the week. You're saying, you know, what are they going to do if uh, uh Jason Peters and Lane Johnson can't play? Well, they both got out there and they both played well. And like Peter said, this is how the offense is supposed to look. And this is what everyone thought coming into the year. I mean, they averaged five and a half yards per carry. They almost had 200 yard rushers, which was pretty impressive. And Bradford had time back there. I mean, but the pass protection really hasn't been an issue for this team, besides the Redskins game and, you know, even in, in parts of it. Um, pass protection had really been an issue with, for, with this team. What really was encouraging, though, is they do seem like they're starting to be able to run the ball more consistently. And really, overall, look at a bigger picture. <coughs> You look at it, everything they've gone through, you know, Bradford hasn't played that well. They've been without both their inside linebackers. They haven't been able to run the ball. They've been dealing with injuries on the offensive line. You know, the secondary has had its, had its moments. Despite all that, they win next week, and the Redskins lose, and they're in first, they're in first place in the NFC East. So, you know, it almost speaks to just how before the season we thought this team was so much better than everyone in the NFC East, and maybe it still is when you look at everything that's happened to them and they're still going to be in first place, um, you know, in week six. Yeah, they have an opportunity in front of them here that, you know, maybe in a different division, a different year, after the start they got off to a one and three, they wouldn't have had. So, Elliot, you just mentioned the offensive line, the running game getting going there, 186 yards. I mean, you add it all together. And if you didn't watch this game, you just saw the numbers, you would say, that was a heck of a day for the offense. And I think the natural question now is, have they turned the corner? You know, it's a, we know it's a week-to-week league. Chip Kelly says it all the time. And they had a big game here on Sunday against the Saints. You guys have watched them every snap this year. Do you think this team is turning a corner offensively? We'll get to the defense and, and their great performance. But offensively, is this something we think now will carry over? Or was this just the Saints are kind of a poor defense, they had a good day, and we're still not ready to say they're ready to be consistent offensively? Elliot? 
That's kind of that's a tough question because on one hand, this team's biggest issue is consistency, like is consistency, like you just said. Like you know, after the Jets game, everyone thought, all right, they've turned it around, they've turned it around, and then they they have that really bad game against the Redskins that they lose, and you know, so really that's been Bradford's issues throughout his career has been his consistency. So you know, some of the problems of that you saw yesterday where even though DeMarco Murray finished with a solid game, I still think if you if you didn't just look at the stats, if you just watched him play, there were uh, you know plenty of carries where you were still a little concerned about how he looked. So that's going to be one thing to still be concerned about. And the drops were an issue again. I mean, Jordan Matthews had the drop. I think Zach Ertz had one. And these are two players that have been dropping it throughout the season. So some of the problems were still there. But the reason I think that this could be a turning point is because, to me, so much of this team's issues – at least at the quarterback position, has been mental. I mean, I think, you know, we saw Bradford in, in training camp in preseason, and when he has confidence, he, I mean, he's got all the physical tools. The issue is he's never, he's never been able to put it together. So I'm wondering if, you know, he has that big game yesterday, they have the big win, he experiences what it's like to win, uh, you know, a big game. I wonder if that is going to be the turning point for them. I, I, I kind of lean to, to yes, that this, this, this game is going to be, you know, two, three weeks we'll look back and say that win against the Saints is kind of what got them going. Mark, what do you think about that? I mean, in terms of turning the corner and being more consistent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, this was a big game. We've seen them play well in spurts in different second halves, and then it didn't carry over. This one, you know, if you look at 500 yards, you look at all those points, it could have been more if not for the two picks, you would say that's a big offensive effort. Do you think it's going to carry over here with the offensive line, the running game, passing game, everything? Well, again, I I don't expect 40 points and 500 yards every week. That's you know, a little crazy to, to think they're going to do this every week. But I do think being around the team a lot and even though, like, like, like Elliot said, when they beat the Jets, they, you know, we thought, okay, now they're starting to put it. But they didn't, they didn't play great against the Jets. The offense I'm talking about. The offense, they scored, what, 17 points only because the one was a punt return and the Jets fumbled the one time, gave them some points. You know, the offense didn't really look great. It didn't look like the Chip Kelly offense that we've, that we've come to, to, to see the first two years. Yesterday, it looked like it. Yesterday, it looked like the team that, that led the league in scoring and, and put up crazy yards. And, um, you know, like you said, if, if not for the two turnovers, this would have been a record-setting performance in terms of points and yards, and who, who knows. But um, So I, I, I think the confidence is back now. I think, you know, just talking to some of the guys after the game, they felt it that, okay, we know we can't. I think they were doubting themselves a little bit. I really do. I mean, they, they would never say it out loud or say it to us, but there's, you know, self-doubt creeps in when you're not playing well, when you're losing to, to the Redskins on a, you know, on a game that you had no reason to lose. Um, when you beat the Jets, but, you, again, it wasn't because of the offense. So I think they needed that just for their own, their own confidence, for their own, um, you know, mental standpoint to – to, to play well and, and to show that, hey, okay, we can do this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, turning the corner, that's, I mean, I don't want to say they, they're at the corner. How about that? I don't know if they turned it yet, but, but the light's yellow. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's a good way to put it, considering all the ups and downs they've had so far this season. So they put the big effort offensively, score 39 points, but the other side of the ball, specifically the play of Fletcher Cox individually, but there were others as well, defensively is really where I thought that they really had a, a big-time effort yesterday. I mean, the Saints scored at the end, I think with zero seconds left on the clock to get another touchdown. But basically, they, held Drew, they held Drew Brees and the Saints to 10 points throughout most of that game. 
really big defensive effort. Fletcher Cox is getting all the attention um, the day after the game because of how well he played. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on defense. Last week you were critical of them off of that last drive in Washington, and uh, Elliott was going on about how they are a good defense and had a bad moment there. Your thoughts on the defense now through five games and then adding in yesterday where I thought they played really well. Well, this was their best. Yeah, this was – well, Dallas, they, they played pretty well too. Um, I, I mean, when you talk about the inconsistencies of the offense, well, I think the defense has been just as inconsistent, if not more so. I mean, yeah, yesterday was very good. And Fletcher Cox was just he, – he couldn't be handled. To say, and again – I don't, and I'll take nothing away from what the Eagles did. Let me let me say that right off. I mean, it's, they're still NFL players on on the, on the other side. The Saints were down. This is kind of ironic. All week we worried about the Eagles' offensive line. Who's going to play? Is Lane okay? Is Jason okay? You know, Barber. While the Saints were without their left tackle, Armstead, and their um, their all pro guard, Jerry Evans, a Philadelphia kid. They're not kid. He's a ten year veteran now. But anyway, those two guys are out. The rookie, Andres Pete from Stanford, showed he's not ready. He, he may be a good player one day, but that day isn't today. And their other and the guard they had in there, uh, Clemente, or I'm not sure how he pronounces it, um, not, not good either. So, But the Eagles did what they're supposed to do. When you're going against players that aren't as good as you, you're supposed to dominate them. And, and Fletcher Cox got the he, – he got the numbers. He had the three sacks and he had the forced fumble. But, but Benny Logan played very well. Cedric Thornton played very well. Um, the Eagles defensive front dominated the, the Saints offense. The Saints offensive line looked worse than the Eagles offensive line has looked all, all, all year, and that's saying something. So, yeah, it was a great effort. Um, but again, let's let's see it again next. Let's, and again, the Giants offensive line isn't exactly the you know the old Washington Hogs either. So they could they could keep this going. And the other thing is, I mean, you know, Joe, you mentioned last week we debated the defense. And see, I think yesterday that's where they really – where it did show because you know, overall now through the five games they've allowed 103 points, the least in the NFC East, and I think that's about 12th in the NFL. So they do give up yards and they certainly have their moments, but they've shown that they can – they have the makings of a bend but don't break defense. And yesterday, yeah, the Saints offense isn't what it used to be. I mean, I think the Saints were averaging – like they were 25th in the league in points coming into the game. So they were averaging about 20 points per game. So the Eagles did hold them under their average. But, you know, they, they don't have a ton of weapons like they used to. That being said, you know, again, the Eagles defense stepped up. They basically only gave up 10 points when it really mattered. In the first half when the offense, or, or, you know, when Bradford had those two bad interceptions, the, the defense bailed them out both times. So, again, I think, and Mark mentioned it, next week they face the Giants who are now potentially dealing with some injuries at their receiver position with uh, Reuben Randall and, and Beckham both dealing with hamstring injuries. So I think they could have another solid game next week. And then you're talking about six games into the season, this defense overall outside of, and it was a very bad drive, the bad drive against the Redskins, playing fairly decent. Or, yeah, they, know, have. they have. And you look at the numbers, and you just mentioned, Elliot, with the points allowed, number one in the NFC East. And, you know, if you take away that touchdown at the end, which, and they all count, but you take away that touchdown at the end, they're top ten in points allowed right now. I think the defense has played – you know, pretty well. They haven't had that really one bad game where they give up 30, 35 points. They've stayed 26 or under the whole year. And the one thing I think that's changed for me is last year, the first couple of years were chipped, but last year definitely as well towards the end of that season, every time the defense came on the field, I held my breath and said, oh boy, here comes a big play for the team. I don't really do that anymore. And I thought Chip Kelly showed some trust in his defense early in that game when he went for it on the fourth and seven. I mean, I know he wanted to be aggressive offensively, but I thought about on the other side of it saying, 
well, he's basically given Drew Brees a short field, and he's he's saying his defense might do a good job against him. I, I thought that showed some confidence in his defense. Absolutely, it did. And it was also, he was kind of stuck in that no-man's land. Yep. I was back in the second time. The first time, 39, I don't I don't know what I would have done there. I, I, I may have tried to, like, get the Saints to jump off sides, and if they didn't, take the five-yard penalty and punt. Um, but from the 30, the 35 is like the, if, if you don't have a great kicker, if you don't have David Akers in his prime or Vinatieri in his prime or, or just a, you know, like a Pro Bowl kicker, even Cody Parkey last year maybe, but if you're at the 35-yard line, that's almost like the worst place to be on fourth down because it's a 53-yard field goal. Yeah, that's not, I mean, you need a good kicker to make a 53-yard field goal. And if you miss it, you're giving them the ball to 43. So you don't want to try. And then if you punt, unless you get a really good angle and a really good bounce and put them out of bounds like at the five or six, it's going to go in the end zone. So basically you're you're trading 15 yards. So you, it, it, I think most coaches are at, at the 35 go for it, because, unless it's, you know, fourth and 20 or something. But, yeah, so he, he got stuck kind of in that in that tough area twice, went for it twice, didn't get it. But getting back to the defense, I'm not, like I said before, I'm never like a, a stat guy where they rank this up because a lot of it depends on who you play and what teams you're, you know, at the end of the year, tell me where they rank and tell me what, not just them, anybody. Because, you know, if, if I faced Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning the first three weeks and, and you faced Kirk Cousins and Brandon Whedon, well, you should be better than me. But it all, it, it all evens out. What I like is... Four turnovers yesterday. They first four turnovers. That's 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 a good defense. That's what defense is supposed to do. Get off the field, get the ball back from, for the offense. They could have done that against the Redskins. They're three and two now. They're already in first place. Right. They would be there. And and I think the turnovers are big too. And it just seems like, you know, Jordan Hicks, every week we come on here and the three of us talk about this kid and always kind of being around the football, always making plays. Did it again. He recovered a fumble, and he nearly had an interception. I remember when they drafted him, Elliot, and I, I was confused with the pick just because I didn't know much about him, and then I just didn't think it was a need. But he's become not only an important draft pick, but he's really vital to this defense right now. Yeah, and the question is, what are they going to do when uh, Kiko and um, Kendricks do come back, which in theory one day they will play again. I mean, I don't know when that will be. But, I mean, these are two players, and this is what confused me about the pick was, you know, Kiko Alonso somebody who contractually you don't have a ton invested in, but you traded LaShawn McCoy to get, and it's, in theory, someone you want to be your starting inside linebacker for the next few years. And then you give Michael Kendricks that big deal as well. And I get that you want rotational players, but it'll just be interesting to see when they do come back, do they bench Hicks? Does, you know, his snap count go down? I mean, yesterday yesterday against the Saints, he played, let me see, he, he played – 55 snaps. So he played all, you know, like 90% of the snaps on, on offense. So, I mean, on defense. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I do think Kendricks will probably be out another week would be my guess. And Kiko might be out another week as well. So it's not a issue. I think they're both out to the, to, to the bye week. Yeah, they could very well be both be out till the bye week. So, I mean, this might not be something you have to deal with for a while. But, again, that just calls in the question, are you drafting for depth in the third? Or do the Eagles really see Hicks, and he's playing like it, as somebody that's going to always play the majority of the snaps for them on defense? I think, I mean, this is, and this gets back to the draft where, and again, I was like everybody else. When they took Hicks, I was like, well, when they took Hicks, we all thought, oh, they're definitely trading Kendricks now, right? And they, they don't need another inside linebacker. But they said he was just their highest rated guy on the board. And if, I, I, obviously he was, and he turned out to be a good player. So that's, and that's a smart thing. That's where, that's what, that's how good teams draft. You know? 
the Packers had Brett Favre when they took Aaron Rodgers. They didn't need Aaron Rodgers. But Ted Thompson couldn't refuse to take taking Aaron Rodgers. It worked out pretty well. Not that I'm not comparing Jordan Hicks to Aaron Rodgers, but you, if when the, when that pick came up, if they had Hicks, whatever, if they do it by letter grade or number, whatever, if he was by far the best, highest rated player, you don't reach for a guard that isn't any good because then you, you just have another bad guard on the team. Big deal. You know, you take the best player. Now, now when, when, when Kendricks and Alonzo come back, what are they going to do? They can't take Hicks off the field. I mean, I don't want him playing, you know, 90% of the snaps. I don't want anybody playing 90% of the snaps. That's, that's too many. He'll be – I think he'll definitely be out there on, on, on passing downs. I mean, he had, that's where he's been been pretty strong. Um, that's a good problem for, for Billy Davis. I mean, it's never it's never a problem – it's never a bad thing to have too many good good players. So that's up to Billy Davis to figure out a scheme to, to work those three guys in somehow, um, you know, rotate them, move them around, keep them all fresh, keep them all making plays because, you know, playmakers are so important. I mean – that's how you win in this league, by making plays on both sides of the ball. And last last couple of years, like Joe, you said you were you, when the defense came on the field, you were worried that oh god, here we go again. You know, and that was because they didn't have a they didn't have a playmaker. They, Hicks is he's played four NFL games and he's made a big play in all four. Not like that. I mean, you talk about adding playmakers. Walter Thurmond, you know, not to change the a little bit, but Walter Thurmond's proven to be. I mean. I mean, like, he's been a godsend at safety for this team. When you think of the massive question mark they had before the season going into training, I mean, he's never played a game at safety before. And now, you know, he, he, he's he got three interceptions in, you know, five games. Try to eat Devin McCourty. It wasn't a strong draft, and it really looked like they were going to be in trouble. And then you, you really luck into Walter Thurman being so good at the position. And like Mark just said, so now you have Walter Thurman as a playmaker. You have Jordan Hicks as a playmaker. Fletcher Cox as a playmaker. You know, Kiko Alonso made that one-handed interception. He's supposed to be. Kiko's supposed to be. I mean, we haven't seen enough of him, but he's supposed right. to be. And so when, once he gets healthy, I mean, right now this team is playing players that you really didn't – ideally you were hoping weren't going to play a lot of snaps. EJ Biggers has been playing quite a bit. Chris Maragos has been playing quite a bit. Um, Jordan Hicks has been playing well, but not a guy you thought would be playing a ton. So as this defense gets healthy, I mean, even – you know, not to start this, but even Marcus Smith played all right yesterday, played 22 snaps. So – all of a sudden, they're starting to have some depth. Almost had a tackle, too. I think he had half a tackle. That's what I'm saying. Almost. He almost had it. I think he had a quarterback pressure or a quarterback hit. He was near Drew Brees on one of those plays. Yeah, I think he was near Brees on, on the interception, actually. Which, tells, go. which goes back to my point about how bad the Saints offensive line is. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, But, I mean, in a larger picture now, you know, again, and it's about weathering the storm for this team, like I said earlier. They've had a lot of problems, you know, all over. But now, if you know you can get out of that where you're still in position, there are some benefits of that. The benefit is you had to play Jordan Hicks, and now he's a guy that you could play a lot of snaps for you. And the defense is slowly starting to get a ton of playmakers. And you know, it's like Mark said, they haven't had playmakers in the past few years. I mean, when the defense has been really bad, you know, they they've gotten sacks, but they've never been able to force turnovers. And so it's really something they've improved at this year, and it it shows clearly. It has, and they've they've gotten past a difficult time here, like you said there, Elliot, with the injuries they've had. Um, and the tough loss they had against the Redskins. So I sensed a, a major sense of relief from Eagles fans around 4.30 yesterday, really before that when they started to blow them out. But, you know, this is off their back now. They had a nice game. They have a victory. Their second one of the season, first at home in a while. Did you guys? What kind of sense did you get in the locker room? The Eagles always seem to be that kind of team that just talks about head down, next game, not really thinking big picture. 
especially Chip Kelly when he has to talk. But we know deep down, of course, they have to realize they had to win that game on Sunday against the Saints. Mark, did you notice a sense of relief in that locker room after the game, or was it just we won a game and, and here we go? It wasn't relief as much as um, satisfaction. I'll, I'll, I'll use that word. Like I said, I, I talked, most of the guys I talked to were on the offensive side of the ball, and it was like, yeah, we can do this. It was like, and I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing now, but it was, yeah, we knew it, but we didn't do it, but you know, now we know we can do it again. We, we knew we had the capabilities of, of scoring big points and rolling up the rolling up yards and and running the ball the way we did and Sam can we, we, Sam is a better quarterback than he's played and the offensive line isn't as bad as everybody thought and today we showed all that the line played well Sam played well the running backs ran well yeah wow we can do it it's, this is you know we weren't dreaming about this it really can happen so I, I that's that's the feeling that I got out of that that they were satisfied with themselves finally after. Not, not playing up to their capabilities for the first four four games of the season. Elliot, what kind of sense did you get in that locker room afterwards? I mean, was it relief, satisfaction? What, what, word, what word would you use to describe it? Maybe a tempered excitement would be a good way to put it. I mean, a lot of players who are waiting to have these big games, like Josh Huff, like DeMarco Murray, like a Sam Bradford, were really, you know, they after the game, they didn't say so much, you know, this is what we knew we could do all the It was more like, you know, yeah, we did it. Let's see if we could do it again. You know, we're not going to change how we're, how we're doing things so much. So I think that's, that's obviously good to hear, and a lot of that is coach speak. But I will say just from, you know, interacting with the players, I think they were clearly excited and a little bit relieved that they were able to get this. They were able to put a complete game together. Now, again, we talked about, you know, we talked about this a few, a few minutes ago. Is this a turning point? Is this a game that's going to mean something? And, you know that we're really going to find that out next week against the Giants. If they come out, you know, and they have, and they don't run the ball, Bradford's inaccurate, the, the offensive line's a mess again. Then really, what does this game even mean? But I do think you got the feeling in the locker room that the players saw this as the first block towards building into the team that they thought they could be before the one and three start. I think we should jump and talk about that game and talk about this game coming up. We usually preview the next game, but we could do it for a little longer than we usually do here. Giants-Eagles, Monday Night Football at the link. Last year, very similar week of the season, very similar time of the season. Uh, the game was similar. The Giants had come in winning three straight. The Eagles at home, they blow them out. This year, uh, the circumstances are a little similar. Giants coming off of three straight wins. They're now in first place in the division. And you have the Eagles here, the team that we all thought would win this division coming in. I don't think you could underestimate how big of a game this is. And if the Eagles don't win it, they'll be 0-3 in the division. I mean, we just we keep saying must win every week. I'm not sure if this is a must win, but this is a very, very big game uh, coming up Monday Night Football. Mark, your initial thoughts looking ahead a week? Oh, it's must win. I mean, and I know we say every week, but when you start 1-3, you have must wins until you get yourself out of that hole. I mean... You know, and like you said, it's a division game. You can't go, you can't start off 0-3 in your division and, and think you're going to win it. You just can't. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, because then, then at best you're 3-3. You know, even if you were, if, if they, you know, even if you were to sweep the next three, you know, win at the Meadowlands late in the year and win in Dallas. No, they have to win this week. They, and, they yeah, they would be two games behind the Giants and have lost. Oh, no, no it, it would be. They'd be right back in the same hole they were in in in, in before. So, not, and I, by, by, I'm, I'm not in any way guaranteeing they will win here by by any means. No, they have to win it or they're 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 in trouble. Um, you know that's and that's what you know division games are all about. I mean they they put themselves in this spot by losing to the Redskins two weeks ago. 
Uh, and, and starting off, I went to losing and losing at home to that. They would also have two home losses in the division, which isn't good either if they were to lose. And, and there, there's also the thing to be said about just proving to themselves that they can get out there and they can win two games in a row. I mean, I know that sounds like a huge, right, no, right. not a huge accomplishment, but it is a new. I mean, it is a brand new team. I mean, the, you know, we talked all offseason about all all the changes. This, is, this isn't a, a team that has a history of, of winning these big games or, or, has, or has been through many uh, battles together. So, you know, I do think, you know, statistically, if they were to lose next week, obviously you drop to two and four, and, you know, there's all those type of issues. But the division's so bad that, you know, we saw last year, and I don't think it'll get to this point, but the Panthers were, I think, what, three and nine, and they won four straight and won the division. I don't think it'll be like that in the NFC East, but, you know, reality is Eagles could probably, they could probably lose next week and still somehow win the division. But I just think, Again, you know, if they go, if they lose next week, what it more shows is, you know, is this team ever going to be able to string together wins? You know, so I think from that point of view, it's a must-win just to prove to themselves and really, you know, to all their critics and to, you know, the billions of people that watch the NFL that they are a team that that can be consistent and isn't just going to put together one good game every five weeks. How about the matchup here, Giants Eagles? These two teams obviously know each other so well. I think the Eagles have. Uh, won 11 of the last 14 in this matchup. They've had the upper hand in this series for a little while now. And last year, both wins, uh, the first one was a blowout in October. The last one was that last game of the season. So they beat them twice last year. They open as three-and-a-half-point favorites. When you look at the two teams, and I'm sure you guys have had a, a little bit of a chance to watch the Giants because they've been on some primetime games, not against the Eagles this year, including Sunday Night Football last, uh, last night. We're doing this podcast on a Monday. The Giants pull one out and go to three-and-two. Uh, Mark, you mentioned a little while ago that Giants offensive line is not special. The Eagles should be able to play well up front the way we are accustomed to them doing. How about the matchup? Uh, Eli's playing very well right now. Eagles secondary should be tested if the Giants receivers, you know, are healthy for this game. That's a big if. I mean, if, if Beckham Beckham makes that Beckham is he might be the if he's not the best player. I mean, take non non quarterback. If I'm starting a team and I'm, I can't take a quarterback, but I can take a Anybody else, it's either him or J.J. Watt. I mean, he's just so good, and he makes so many – it's about playmaker, my God. I mean, even on that last drive, when they, they put him back in, I, he, well, he, you know, he was hurt, but when he came back on the field, it just that whole team looked different. And, yeah, the Eagles are going to have their hand – if he's, well, he's out, I'll, I'll say this right now. If he can't play next Monday – or Monday, I'm sorry, next Monday night, the Giants aren't winning the game. There's no way. The Giants, I will guarantee an Eagle win. If, the, if Odell Beckham Jr. is not in the Giants lineup, the Eagles will win that game. No, no, no questions. Because they're a different team. They're they're a below average team without him. With him, they're not bad. They're, they're, you know, I'm not saying they're great, but they're not bad at all. He's he's that good. So if his hamstrings bother him, that's a big, big loss for the Giants. And if he's fine, the Eagle Billy Davis, please, Billy Davis, don't leave any. You got to double team him. <laughs> triple team him. I don't care what you do. You can't just leave Byron Maxwell thinking he can guard him one on one. You can't. The reason nobody can. Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously every secondary struggles with Odell. So to say the Eagles secondary is going to struggle, you know, isn't exactly you know breaking news. But the one reason I think the Eagles secondary could particularly struggle is they're not the quickest secondary in the league. I mean, I know Nolan Carroll ran a fast forty time, but you know, I, I wouldn't say he's like lightning quick. Byron Maxwell isn't super quick, especially off the line. I mean, the Eagles have built their secondary to be able to Walter do it. Walter might be the fastest guy. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I'm not Billy Davis or a defensive coach, but I don't know if you, if you think about putting Thurman on him. I mean, he does have 
history playing quarterback. But you can't but, put any, any one person. No, forget one. You got to zone him or double him or do. You can't play a man to man. He'll kill you. Right. Well, what I was the point I was getting to is the Eagles secondary is is built to deal with the bigger receivers like you know Des Bryant, Julio Jones, and they haven't done a good job against him. But well, I was gonna say that worked out well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do think I mean Beckham could be a, a particular problem for the secondary. For that point is I just. I don't know. I think all you know when you see the Eagles, their Eagles secondary struggle this season. It's been like with crossing routes or over the middle of the field, and, and they're chasing guys, and they haven't faced anybody as fast as Odell. So if Odell plays, I mean, even if he does play, maybe his hamstring bothers him. Who knows? But if Odell plays, I mean, this is a game again where the secondary is really able to show. You know, week one they face Julio, and you're like, oh man, the secondary isn't better at all, and they haven't really faced any great receivers since then that I can think of. I mean, they they didn't face Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Saints don't really have. No Deshaun, no Dez. No Dez, no right. Decker, no Decker in, uh, for the, when they play the Jets. Exactly. So this will be their first game against, I mean, not only the are arguably the best receiver in the entire league. So it'll be interesting to see if this, this will be the chance, you know, not only from last year to this year, but from week one to now, how much has this secondary improved? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think the other point, the other side of the football, the thing I'm thinking about the most looking ahead to the game is we just talked about how – well the offensive line played, how they kind of gutted it out through injury and they got the running game going. Well, the Giants right now, I haven't looked at the updated stats, but going into the game last night, they were number one in the NFL against the rush. They're doing a great job stopping the run. So I think next week, this feels like a game where we're going to find out did the Eagles offensive line really turn a corner? Because if they they put up 186 yards or something close to that, a big number on the Giants running the ball, that to me, Mark, would signal that they figured something out. If they put up 186 yards rushing next week, then it's back. We're back. <laughs> I mean, chip me in. No, I, I, I'd be happy with 120 yards against the Giants. Giants front's pretty good. Carlos Hyde did have success. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't, again, I'm not a stat guy, but just watching that game last night, Carlos Hyde ran effectively. He didn't, he didn't kill him, but he ran effectively. Um, better than I thought he would, let's say that, against the Giants' number one run defense. So they can be run on. Another key injury that we're going to keep tabs on this week, I'm sure our, our uh, Giants guys will be, be all over, is Justin Pugh left that game um, on that last drive. Their, their number one pick from a couple years ago, their, their starting guard, who probably their best overall lineman, I would say. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, he's, he's been invaluable for them because he's played tackle and guard. And he left the game. He limped off the field. Again, I'm sure he'll be limited in practice. The whole thing we won't know till till game time. And he does get an extra day, which sometimes is, is a big extra day to get. Um, but if he's not if he's not healthy, that's that's Fletcher Cox, baby. I mean, that's put a backup in there again. Forget about it. He's going to kill him. Um, it's going to be. It, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of in, intrigue in this. It's you know, can the Eagles receivers get open against um, you know a, a Mukamaro and a DRC? I mean, that's going to be um, that's good matchups. It's a great matchup. This is a fun one. Uh, Eagles-Giants, Monday Night Football at the link. Probably, like Elliot, like you mentioned earlier, if the Redskins do lose to the Jets, that game will be for first place. Whoever wins that game uh, would be in first place. All right, let's end with this, guys, for episode 11. Um, I'll ask you this one question to finish it off. You give me a yes, a no, or we're not. you're not ready to answer it. I'm not quite sure. Elliot, we'll start with you. Are the Eagles back? Yes, no, or not? You're not ready to answer it yet. Huh, I have to give one of those three answers. Um, well, you, you can say whatever you want, actually. All right. I mean, I would I would lean yes, um, but again, I, I'll get it in there. The reason I'm not sure is because of Bradford. I need to see more. <laughs> so I would say yes, but <laughs> as a, with some 
uh, tempered, <laughs> tempered yes. Okay, Mark. Oh wait, what if they start Sanchez? Are they back then? Oh, pss, come on, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, back. Are they back? They're they're back in the mix. I'll say that. I mean, they're not. I never thought this was a Super Bowl team. I never ever used the word Super Bowl in describing this this team, even in the preseason when they were looking great. Um, I thought they could win a division. So, and I still think they can win a division. So, yeah, they're they're back to where I thought they were. They're on their way back. Maybe that. Maybe we can sum it up with that. Maybe they're on their way back. We need to see a little bit more. We'll start seeing it, uh, and we'll start seeing a big division game next Monday night when the Giants. Yeah, I'll better answer you Tuesday morning. All right, next Tuesday morning we'll have a true answer on this one. Are the Eagles back? For now, though, they're two and three. Thirty-nine seventeen win over the Saints. Guys, thanks as always. Thanks, Elliot. Yep. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. Take care. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode 11 of the No Huddle Show. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eccolo 8, at Joe Giulio Sports. Subscribe on iTunes and, of course, on Stitcher. Leave us a rating there and be sure to look out for the latest episode every week. This has been episode 11. We'll be back next week after a big one. Giants-Eagles on Monday night, probably for first place in the NFC East, right here on the No Huddle Show on NJ.com. <laughs>